This morning, I was looking at uh, little pieces of paper on the desk in there. This morning, we had 370 in worship here, and that's real good. I'm real uh, excited about that. Next Sunday, uh, we're going to have groundbreaking for the new building. Uh, we have some painted um, shovels, and we're going to meet right out front uh, after the service. And I hope you can stay and, and be in the picture. I think that's really uh, kind of a, a ministry of our church as we, you know, the picture shows up in the paper, and if there's 27 people, it looks like it's, a, you know, not a very significant thing. So please, if you can, try uh, next Sunday to be in the picture. Uh, we want to have as many as we can. And that will be the last uh, picture like that we'll be taking for a long, long time. <laughs> so uh, uh, please show up and be there. And um, it's really exciting to see that uh, the Lord is building this church. We're going to talk about that a little bit tonight in our text. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 10, uh, verse 24, and we're going to look at uh, the, the main concepts of discipleship that Jesus had. This uh, text for the next two or three Sundays is really going to be important. Um, these, are, these are really the, the foundational uh, points of discipleship for the New Testament church. All right, look at verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become as his teacher and the slave as his master. If they have called the head of the house Belzebul, how much more the members of the household? Now, the most definitive teaching about discipleship, we think in the whole New Testament is right here, about uh, being a disciple of Christ. And he kind of lays it out. We're going to look at six different principles, hallmark principles uh, for discipleship uh, with the Lord. The true nature, the real demands, uh, they're all presented here in the 10th chapter. This is a very special text. The call of the Great Commission, as you know, is to go out and make disciples. That's what we're supposed to do. That's our job. You know, if you have a job description as a Christian, that's it. Go out, make disciples. And that's what we're trying to do. That's why we're building this building. We're trying to have plenty of space and uh, plenty of folks with their Bibles open, studying, learning, growing in uh, the grace and knowledge, understanding of not only the Lord, uh, but of his word, and, and that's, that's really what it's all about. That's what we're doing. And it's exciting to see God blessing uh, what we're trying to do. Um, disciple making is the central work of the people of Christ's church. The work of bringing men and women into a relationship to Christ and then teaching them how to grow in their faith. And, and that's what we're supposed to do. Every once in a while, somebody asks me, what's, the, what's really the point of the church? What are you all trying to do? Well, we're trying to lead people to Jesus 
and develop them in their faith. That's what we're trying to do. You know, if you don't know what you're trying to do, it's very confusing. But our, our line of demarcation, if you will, is very clear. Uh, we're to lead people to Christ and develop people in their faith. That's our job. That's what each one of us are supposed to be about in serving him. Well, uh, Paul says, equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. That's the way he says it in Ephesians 4. Have you ever thought about uh, that? That's a key verse, of course. Have you ever thought about what part of the body of Christ are we supposed to build, build up? Have you ever thought about that? Are you supposed to build up the uh, ministry of caring to the indigent? Are you supposed to build up the part of the body of Christ that uh, are in the nursing homes, the rest homes, the hospitals? Is that, is that the part that you specifically, uh, by God, have been called to, to do? Is your call to be the a missionary to go out and to do this and to do that and to build up that part of the body? Is it your call to go into the homes and sit down with people and talk to them about Jesus? I feel like that's, that's my call. Uh, I've always uh, felt a real strong desire toward evangelism. Uh, do you feel like that you're building up a specific part of the body of Christ? Those of you that are a part of our music ministry, you're, you're building up the body of Christ. There's uh, so many blessings in what you're doing and blessings that you give us. I didn't want to go on and on about this this morning, but I've had so many people tell me that uh, our choir did such a great job at Freedom Plaza, and I was so proud to hear that. Uh, that night, I had the ick, and I... Uh, I hadn't had the ick in about 25 years, so uh, that was an unpleasant visit. Um, but that's what was going on. When Jesus called the 12 to himself, he said, this is what you're expected to do. And it's in our text tonight. This is what you're expected to do. And this is what you're expected to endure. And, you know, a lot of preachers never mention that. A lot of these TV guys, they never mention that. You know, there are things that we're supposed to do, and there's things that we're supposed to endure. And tonight we're going to talk about those. Uh, in doing so, he excluded the half-hearted folks. They're really not disciples. If they're just kind of in and out, in and out, they're really, really not disciples. And Jesus, of course, knew that. Uh, they wanted the benefits of the kingdom, but not the commitments to the kingdom. And, and Jesus uh, was, was pretty hard on, on judging those. He wants folks to be committed to what we're trying to do, building up of the body of Christ. In verses 24 through 42, Jesus sets out the specific Christian dedication uh, that, that disciples need to have. 
Like every effective teacher, he understood the importance of emphasizing and reemphasizing the same things uh, over and over. Uh, each area of study has core information that's very, very important. You know, if you're going to be a mathematician, you got to know, uh, you know, the multiplication tables. You got to know that. You got to know how to add, how to subtract, how to divide. You got to know that. Um, well, the core information is absolutely foundational to being a good teacher uh, in the in the Christian faith, and 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 we have to reinforce that regularly. You know, I had somebody say to me one time, you know, I come to church a lot, and about it seems like every two or three years I hear the same thing, and. You know, I, I try to be sensitive to that. I work real hard at finding some great illustrations. I read a lot all week to try and get great illustrations because people haven't heard those illustrations. And those illustrations make the same points that are so important to us developing in our discipleship. You remember when I baptized, I've baptized now a lot of folks here at the church. Um, I say the same thing every time. Have you noticed that? And the reason I do that is because I want everybody to know that. You know, I want to reinforce it. I want to, I want to kind of get that stuck in, in everybody's, everybody's mind. I used to uh, do that every week. And sometimes people would say to me, uh, why do you say the same thing every week? You know, it's like the Apostles' Creed. Why do you say the Apostles' Creed every week? Why do you do the Lord's Prayer every week? Because it's important. Because we want you to know that. Because that's foundational to our faith. That's foundational to our growing in Christ. It's, it's basic. It's important. You know, one of the greatest, if not, this sounds funny for a preacher to be saying this, if not the greatest teaching tool in the church are the hymns. Did you know that? You know why? Because the hymns repeat. You know, when you sing the hymn 50 times, you begin to learn the words. And when you sing them 500 times, you know the words. And when you know the words, you know the theology. I've read a lot of studies that say that the singing of the great hymns of the faith is the greatest teacher of Scripture there is. And, uh, and that's it's so very, very important. The Lord is here providing the 12 apostles with this basic body of, of material on discipleship, he'd repeat, repeat these truths over and over, not only to the disciples, but to the multitudes that followed him around. And he wants us to repeat them. If you're a Sunday school teacher, if you're a missions leader, if you're this, if you're that, he wants you to repeat it again and again and again so that people will know it. I don't know if you've been watching the news this week, 
But one of the most distressing things I've seen on the news uh, in a long, long time, uh, our country is talking about um, doing some edicts against uh, Israel. That is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. The scripture says that those who bless Israel will be blessed. And those who curse Israel or try and hurt Israel will be cursed. When we start doing edicts against Israel, we're on the wrong side. And, I mean, that has just bothered me so much this week. That is wrong. There's no question, but that is wrong. If you're a student of Scripture, you know that that is wrong. I, I, um, I, I feel like somewhere along the line, we have not said that enough. We have not emphasized that enough. We have not gotten that part of scripture out in the marketplace enough because obviously some people don't know it and it's crucially important. Florence Nightingale wrote in her diary, I'm 30 years of age, the age at which Christ began his mission. Now, no more childish things, no more vain things. Years later, near the end of her heroic life of service, she was asked the secret of her ability to accomplish so much for the Lord. And she said this. She said, I've held nothing back from God. That is exactly what Jesus is talking about in this passage. He says, I want you to hold nothing back. I want you to give it all. Because Jesus refused to disguise or minimize the cost of discipleship. Some people said, well, whoa, that sounds rough. I don't think I want that. That doesn't sound good. You know, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of Christians being slaughtered during these days, these very days, because they're believers. You know, we've uh, had this lady who came in and did the Voice of the Martyr presentation, and she had these unbelievably huge numbers of people that have given their lives for the, for the Lord. Well, that's true. It's happening every day all around the world, primarily in uh, Muslim countries. And, and we, of course want to be supportive of those folk that are godly Christian people that are living in other places. We need to follow him and we need to identify with him. And many disciples, uh, John 6 says, withdrew because they thought the cost was too high. They didn't want to pay that cost. So they just kind of backed up. They kind of dropped out. Jesus identifies a comprehensive definition of discipleship, which has, as I mentioned earlier, six hallmarks. And we're going to be looking at those uh, these next few Sundays. Number one is our text tonight. A, disi a disciple emulates his master. Let's look at the text again. 
A disciple is not above his teacher. A slave is not above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become as his teacher and the slave as his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? It's axiomatic, of course, that the disciple is not above the teacher. You know, that's the way it goes. Or a slave above the master. By, nef- by definition, a disciple is a learner. You know, they sit under the teacher. Uh, the slave is beneath the master. Also, by definition, a disciple who is genuinely a disciple learns from his teacher. A slave obeys his master. The first and most obvious principle of discipleship is submission. And you know, Americans don't like to submit. We don't. We don't like to submit to anything. I've said this before, but, you know, I used to, when somebody would drive like a fool and almost run into me, I'd honk at them. (laughs) Well, I quit doing that. Because uh, nowadays, people get the gun out and just shoot you right through the window. You can't honk at anybody anymore. They're crazy. We have crazy people all around us. You have to just, uh, you know, just kind of nod and smile almost. You know, it's just, it's just unbelievable. From the beginning to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, the purpose is to reveal Jesus as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Messiah, the Son of God, who came to redeem and eventually to rule the world. That's coming. The only king, the only Messiah, the only Son of God, the only Savior and Lord. That's what we're to be promoting. Second, as Jesus goes on to point out, it is also axiomatic that the purpose of a true disciple is to learn from the teacher to be able to become a teacher. That's the purpose of a faithful slave. To learn what the master thinks. To learn what the master prioritizes. So that they can become a very right-hand person uh, to the master. The function of discipleship is clearly stated in the Great Commission. I uh, command you to, to observe all the things that I've told you. You know, the the Great Commission was clear. A disciple becomes like Christ, his teacher. He learns, he obeys Scripture. Scripture. The logical result of being like Christ is to be treated like Christ. And that's a, a bit of a rub. You know, these thousands and thousands of people have died that have been slaughtered They became more like Christ, and that's what got them killed. If they have called the head of the household Beelzebul, how much more the members of his household? Family members, servants, should not expect to be treated better than the head is treated, the teacher or the master. In fact, they're going to be treated worse. The true disciple does not demand to be accepted or loved by the world. 
you know, if, if you're thinking, if I'm a great Christian, everybody's going to love me and smile and be real kind to me, sweet to me. Uh-uh. No. That's not right. When the Lord was rejected, the Lord was crucified, that's what happened. When he lived out his life, when he taught these principles, when he lived these principles, uh, it got him uh, rejected and crucified. He does not expect his commitment to the Lord to cause him to become famous and respected. Disciples shouldn't expect that. When his Lord considers uh, himself uh, to be in the throes of, of judgment by the hoi polloi, by the masses, you know, Jesus was infamous. He was despised. He was not loved. Uh, the mass media today, if Jesus were walking around today, they'd hate him. They, would, they wouldn't love him, they'd hate him. Beelzebul is a, um, in some, I don't know, what does your translation say? Does it say Beelzebul or Beelzebub? Uh, there's, uh, this was originally a pagan Canaanite uh, deity. Uh, the name by the Jews has long been used uh, for Satan. This is a name for Satan. Jesus' point was that if people called him Satan, they would surely call his disciples Satan. The Pharisees had already done precisely that. You remember when he was uh, casting out demons, they said, you know, Jesus is doing what he's doing by the power of Satan. That's what they, that's what they said. Jesus repeated his general warning to the disciples many, many times. As noted earlier, one of his last discourses, he said, if the world hates you, remember that it hated me before it hated you. As Jesus had already explained, his disciples are not hated because of who they are, but it's because of who Jesus is, and you're following Jesus. It's a badge of honor, folks. It's a badge of honor that we can wear to follow our Savior. The more we emulate Christ, the more attractive we will become to those God is calling to himself. But at the same time, we will become more unattractive to those that are rejecting God because they want nothing to do with God, and I assure you they want nothing to do with us. A disciple gives reverence to God, not to the world. Well, I, I feel like these words tonight are very, very important. You know, you don't hear this kind of thing on TV, on the, the radio preachers. You don't hear that. And it's important. It's true. And we need to know it. Well, Tonight, we want to have a moment of invitation. If there are those here that have been thinking about trusting Christ as their Savior, we want you to do it. If there are those here that would like to come and join with our church, 
this would be a great time. I joined the church on a Sunday night. And uh, tonight, if you're here and you feel the leading of God on your life, then just step out tonight and take a stand for him. I'll be waiting for you to come right down here at the front. Let's stand and sing together.